Are you a creative looking to build your network with like-minded individuals? Then look no further. Talents, that's T-A-L-N-T-S, is a social media platform where you can build your network and your business by connecting with creatives like yourself anywhere in the world. Whether you're posting an art piece, your editor reel, or you just produced a new music track, on Talents, your portfolio is your resume. And now, with Talents' new vouching system, your connections can help build your awareness. So, download Talents, that's T-A-L-N-T-S, today on iOS and share your talents with the world. Also, if you're an Android user, you should be used to waiting because Talents will be available on Google Play at the end of the month. That's Talents, T-A-L-N-T-S. Hello, and welcome to Control-Walt-Delete, a finely mellowed podcast from TheVerge.com. I am Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge, I'm joined as always by my friend and our executive editor, the co-founder of Recode, Walt Mossberg. Hey, Walt, how's it going? Uh, I'm mellow, Neil. I, 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 I thought I would do a wine thing today. Yeah, I like that. I may have to, have to leave and get a glass of wine. <laughs> I don't know. I think it would be very dangerous if we started drinking during this show. <laughs> yeah. I think you and I, think, I have had conversations while drinking. They don't <laughs> yeah. sound like this at all. <laughs> they, they are equally as long-winded and obnoxious, yeah, uh, yeah, but, but, but somewhat they're, different. They're much less intelligible. It's like well, a, you gotta, you gotta. The next time you're in New York, we gotta do one of these in person together. We gotta get some. You know, we'll have some drinks. You know, we could like we're at CES. We couldn't like have a drink on stage at CES. Yeah, we could have. We had water. I think we had water. We did have water. Um, that was a fun one. Anyhow, so. Uh, both, as it happens, Walt, you wrote your column this week about Twitter. I wrote a piece with Casey this week about Twitter. Twitter's all over the news this week. Bunch of people leaving. But before we get into all of that, um, kind of the, the huge news um, is Apple earnings. The you know iPhone sales are flat. All kinds of other sales are down. I thought we might just do a couple of minutes and address that since it's kind of the, the elephant in the room. And then we can move on to, to our Twitter talk. Um, so, Walt, I'm going to ask you, is it, is it over for Apple? Is it all done? <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> I, no, it's not all done. Um, here, here's a little factoid that uh, I think illustrates the huge size of this company. Um, the Macintosh, which is a footnote uh, to most of the analysts and journalists who cover the company, even though they almost all of them use Macs, um, the, but the Mac business is, is you know, a small part of Apple's business. It's still a $26 billion a year business. And I did a little checking last night, uh, and that would put it at something around 114 if it was a separate company in the Fortune 500. And so uh, there's, a, there, there's, the, there's a lot uh, yeah. going on at Apple. <laughs> I, I think what we're seeing, uh, as best I can uh, figure it, is that the you know at least for the premium part of the market, uh, it's harder to sell new smartphones at least in the developed countries. Um, mm-hmm. I think they think, and I think they said this that they had some headroom still, plenty of headroom still in China. Uh, but I also think there wasn't. Look, they had a gigantic uh, uh, comparable quarter. Uh, a year ago, because that's when they went to the bigger screens in the iPhone 6 and 6 yep. Plus, uh, both of which were bigger screens than they had ever made. Uh, the 6S uh, and 6 Plus uh, S, 6S Plus, have um, 
you know, some additional features, but it's not as big a break. And nevertheless, what people overlooked was this gigantic, astonishing quarter they did last year of whatever it was, 74, almost 75 million iPhones. They actually slightly edged it out this year. Uh, but because the growth was so minuscule, uh, people were, you know, ready to jump off a cliff. And and to be fair, Apple actually thinks they're they're actually going to going to go down in sales uh, of iPhones and in general in, in revenue in the next quarter. And that means a lot of people are saying it's not a growth company and so forth. It's pretty hard to be a giant growth company at the size they are, but. But I think it's partly this product lull thing that you and I have talked about before. Yeah. Well, I think – I mean my my read on it is kind of like – you know, Samsung has been kind of falling apart lately too, right? Their, their phone sales are way down. Yeah. And, and I really – I think you're onto something with this big screen notion. I think Samsung – you used to walk into a store and if you wanted a big screen, you had – you basically had to buy a Samsung phone, right? You might You might buy the – the other, you know, the other Android phones. You might buy an LG phone or a Sony phone, but Samsung was out there. They were spending tons of money in marketing. They called themselves the next big thing. Um, the carriers loved them because they would put whatever garbage software they wanted on a Samsung phone. Right. Um, and so if you you look at the iPhone and say that's great, man, that Samsung phone has a really big screen, and you might buy a Samsung phone. Apple puts out the big screen, and that, this argument's gone, right? And the, the market explodes because it. The screen is the defining feature of these things, and the people wanted the iPhone, and if anyway, and now they could get it with the same screen. Right. The only thing that would take you away out of the iOS ecosystem, or would compel you to to switch or not consider the iPhone, was like the screen size. That's like that's like my baseline theory. I think you know, there's a lot of reasons you might want to buy an Android phone or, a, God help you, a Windows phone or whatever. Um, but I think for the mo- the most number of people. The thing that drove them to Samsung phones was the screen size, and they lost that advantage. Their sales fell. We we see that very clearly. And now Apple is searching for the next reason to spike their sales. I think you, you got it exactly right. Their 6S sales are clearly very high. They they beat their huge quarter when they first put out the big phones, but everyone's on these two year contracts, and so of course they're like. Turning people over into the new phones, they've got you know the install base keeps growing. Everyone's on these contracts; are going to turn over. And then I think my big question is whether they're going to convince, particularly in the United States, everyone to go to these one-year contracts or these phone upgrade programs or Apple's own upgrade program, where they can start to turn people over even faster. Well, and it, that's look, a, that's a very big question. To me. I I agree with you, and I think it depends on the product. I mean, right. obviously, if they did a big price cut. And it was kind of an impulse buy that might happen without a better product, but that's not going to, Apple is not going to do that. So it depends on the product. And so I, I think a lot, a tremendous amount for Apple as a company is riding on the iPhone 7 or whatever they will call it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll call it the iPhone Note. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and it, it's riding on uh, other things that we know are in the pipeline mm-hmm. there, like maybe the second generation uh, Apple Watch will yeah. 
will be something you and I and other people like a lot better. Uh, you know, it probably wouldn't move the needle right away. Obviously, they're a ways away from this car project. So, I mean, it depends a lot on 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 products. And, um, but I, you know, I think they're still a very solid company uh, that still makes. I mean, it's it's almost a default in life that yes. You might prefer Android, in which case you would buy an Android phone, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the best phone, the best tablet, and the best laptop on the market, I think, are still all made by Apple. Right. And it's theirs to lose. They can screw it up. But, um, uh, you know, this this period of supercharged growth that they had over the last year, 18 months – has clearly come to an end. Oddly, growth itself still existed. It was very small, but it still existed without them slashing prices or anything, which is pretty remarkable given what they charge for these things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's come to an end and it just puts a lot of pressure on whoever is sitting there in that low-pressure company (laughs) designing the next iPhone and um, or the next whatever product, you know. In the old days, they used to have entire products that we didn't know about until pretty late in the game. Uh, that hasn't happened for a while, but who knows? I don't know what's going on uh, in you, every they're corner. Back, that... They're going to bring back the iPod. It's my personal pet theory. Um, you, know, you know what I thought was interesting yesterday? They made a big deal of their service business. So you're yeah. saying the Mac is at $26, 27000000 million. The services are at like thirty-one, um, And they're counting it in a pretty weird way, right? They're They're counting like the app store that people buy apps and they take a little cut out of them and pay out the other stuff and and they pay out the developers and they're well are they counting their 30 percent or the whole entirety of what i pay for an app um it's a little strange but i think obviously they can't count the stuff they're paying out but they're right. counting but they're well, not like a wholesaler right that's just a tax on the it's it's it's, it's a strange thing to call a service i think is my point right it's, I, don't, I don't know well i mean yeah but i mean look uh, neither of us uh, – I used to be in a previous life a, more of a financial reporter. I'm not now. But I, you know, I think it's fair for them to do that. I don't know every detail of what they call services. Well, well, but- so my bigger point there is not necessarily the financials, financials of it. It's the thing you just said is the key to Apple's success, right? They make the best product in like four categories, right? Right. Um, if they're going to start to say they're a services business – they need to make the best service in every service and, category. And, and there you and I agree they need – there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Right. Uh, I mean I think people love – and I use that word deliberately – love their Apple products so much that they're willing to overlook uh, – to either overlook the, you know, the things that are missing from or not – don't work right in iCloud mm-hmm. uh, or just – like I think both you and I do, use a lot of Google services on our Apple devices, right. uh, which Google very smartly uh, uh, puts there and has hundreds or thousands of God knows how many people they have working on iOS and OS X uh, because they all – by the way, if you walk around Google, yeah. three out of four people are carrying a MacBook. So, um, you know, uh, it, there's no service disadvantage Actually, using an Apple product, even though their service end of their business, their cloud stuff, has not been uh, up to what Google or Microsoft or Amazon have. So maybe there will be a push there. But I, I, I still think 
their gut core thing is to keep these uh, these hardware products as uh, beloved and sticky as they can. Right. And so that's what I would say about Apple. So and think- and you and I don't have any Apple stock, so we're we're fine. We're in the clear. I I I'll, I'll say something snarky. I find it maddening to read some Apple coverage by people who I know have Apple stock. I'm just putting that out there. That's like a if you're if you're bought in, then of course you you have a. These are opinion. you're talking about journalists. Uh, I think there's a class of of writers out there who are pretty nakedly, you know. There's like a Mac blogosphere, which I love reading, and I actually know a lot of people in it. Um, yeah. And they're very talented. They're very good writers. But sometimes I find the naked Apple boosterism. They don't have the Verge ethics code? Yeah. You know, it's just a thing. I, I, we copied it from Recode, so it's a pretty good I know. One. I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, so Apple not doomed, I think, is what we've we've yeah, come up a- with. Apple not doomed. But they, Twitter. Twitter, <laughs> potentially doomed, um, I think is where we're at. I don't think they're doomed, but I do think they have a they have a much higher hill to climb than Apple. Actually, yeah. So let's get it, let's get into Twitter. So you wrote a column uh, this week, and you said Twitter's core problem, which I which I agree with. I, I think there are many other problems that could be classified as core, but you said their core problem is that this product is too hard to use. You want to you want to get into that a little bit? Sure. So you know, many years ago. Uh, and somebody on Twitter actually used this analogy in, uh, uh, just about two hours ago, and I thought it was perfect. Uh, many years ago, uh, Microsoft won the word processing war. Mm-hmm. Bear with me because this is – I'm an old guy and this is ancient history, but it's relevant. I'm ready. And they won it from word perfect. They also, by the way, in a parallel thing, won the spreadsheet war from Lotus in very much the same way. Um, word perfect and, Lo- and Lotus both had – they're, you know, they, they they were very slow to go to WYSIWYG, you know, what you see is what you get into the graphical user interface. They had commands, and, uh, hundreds, thousands of commands and little tricks built into them that their hardcore beloved users knew and hardly anyone else could figure out trying to adopt the product. And actually, this ties in a funny way back to Apple because – uh, uh, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates worked together on the Macs on Mac software. Microsoft got a head start on GUI, uh, which they eventually put onto Windows, and uh, uh, they brought out GUI versions, actually first on the Mac and then on PCs of Word, and then of Excel, uh, which was called something else, Multiplan, I think at the time. But the point is. Uh, and it just and it just eventually it just blew away WordPerfect. I mean, they right. just took away the market. Do you know where so, WordPerfect is still used, by the way? Law firms. Law firms. My wife has to use WordPerfect. Drives uh, a batty. I know, but the, it's gooey now and yeah. all that. But so um, uh, I don't I don't mean to suggest, and I was accused of this by some people on Twitter today. I don't mean to suggest that Twitter needs to become Facebook or that Twitter needs to dumb itself down or get be dumb at all twitter right. twitter should be smart but part of being smart is to say if you're jack dorsey who i have tremendous respect for and i actually think there's a fair chance he'll do some of this stuff he has said it publicly actually all of my criticisms in one way or another he has owned up to uh, in a broader way he, i mean i don't know that he's gone into the some of the detail i did but 
they need to rethink this because what's happened is they started out – a lot of people don't remember this, but they started out building their system around the, around the idea that you would text in your tweets, which you can still do, mm-hmm. uh, but hardly anybody does. Then, then they had this you – know, they had somebody developing the web product, which for a while was the main product. And then they had – they let all kinds of people do apps by taking the so-called fire hose, which is just basically a feed. And, and that was cool. Some of them were crappy and some of them were good. Then they sort of cut that off and bought the one that many of the power users, including me, uh, use, uh, which is called TweetDeck. Um, and then they let the users add various conventions, which hardened into kind of uh, kind of parts of the of the product, and the whole thing is kind of a mess yes. and extremely intimidating to new people. Well, I mean, I think that it's funny because I, I think well, let's set the stage real quick. So, what happened last week? So, just so everybody knows real fast is uh, Recode sister site Recode Kara and I think it was Kurt Wagner both reported. Um, that a bunch of people are leaving Twitter. So Jack Dorsey comes in. He's a new CEO. He is, inherits a bunch of people from Dick Costello. Um, so his head of product leaves. His head of uh, Kevin Will, the head of product. Katie, Mar- marketing, Katie Stanton. Katie Stanton, who's great. Yeah. She left. Um, just people, it's a bunch of people leaving. And yeah. the thing that I will say is that is totally normal. Uh, I don't think there's actually like – you know, new CEOs come in and they you, bring you their and, own people. You, like, you and I agree a hundred percent. It happens all the time. Um, so that's great. But what I think is in the vacuum of that is that group of people. I think the reason Jack Dorsey became CEO is because Twitter needed an articulated product vision, and he's like, you know, everyone thinks he's a visionary guy. He was one of the founders of Twitter. He's like created the product. He's the guy to deliver this vision that everyone's going to rally around. And that hasn't really happened. And then a bunch of people left, and he hasn't really said what's going to happen next. And we're still waiting for this vision. And I think that vacuum is the thing that is the most dangerous part about Twitter. And the reason that the media is constantly talking about, I mean, literally Casey and I, our he- we put up a headline. You know, we, we did one of these yes. back and forth. Our headline was, is Twitter doomed? Because we thought it was uh-huh. so funny. Because that headline has been used maybe every other week since Twitter has existed. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't think it's doomed. You know, it's, it's kind of like Apple. You know, no. Apple has like $214 billion in the bank. Twitter has $3.5 billion in the bank. They can keep going for like, I think Bloomberg said it was like a couple hundred years. Yeah, but they runway. now have a product guy running it. And a guy who in the past has talked about how much he admired the way uh, Steve Jobs uh, curated their products. Right, and but so... So, so that's good, I think. Now... It doesn't guarantee that they'll come up with a with a better product. It's a hard job, but I was what I was saying in my in my column uh, today was uh, the product is the core of the problem. Yep. And here are some here's at least my opinion because it was a column mm-hmm. of what are the main problems with the product. I pointed out that even very experienced users. I mean, it just happened that I was kind of thinking through this column uh, and starting to write it and stumbled on uh, an exchange among two people who happen to be journalists, but they (laughs) they could have been other uh, kinds of professions who were actually debating the finer points of when to use this and when to use that arcane thing that a lot of people don't even know what they are, you know? Uh, So I, I, 
this that's not good for when when a product gets to that point it's not good it may be satisfying for the members of of the secret society but it, but it, you know to have secret handshake software yes you, that was a term it's a great term yeah thank you where you have to know all this stuff is is not good either either for getting new people in uh, or for making uh, it easier and better and more rewarding for the people you have. Right. And I, what I think is that there are actually – you're saying it's a product. And I think that actually needs to be multiple products. I think one of the biggest problems with Twitter is that the most people, if they write a tweet, no one will ever see it, right? Unless they participate in a hashtag or – you know, they get aggregated by BuzzFeed or, you know, like something or else they happens. Get, or right? they like, get retweeted a lot. Or they, but somebody has to see it and begin that pro- – like, you know, the average person signs up for Twitter. They follow, you know, some small number of people. Maybe some small number of people follow them back. That's the end of – it's the end of the experience. So there's people like you and me and media organizations and journalists and celebrities who need to be incentivized to create great stuff for Twitter – that's cool. That's one kind of product. And how you use it in that context should be simplified. And then there's a whole other piece of it where it's most people just need to be incentivized to consume that content. And I don't think they've managed that split very well. Um, and, you know, they're trying. You know, they've got the you know, moments and while you were away and stuff. How, of, still, how often do you look at moments? <sighs> Uh, never, basically. I mean, I'll look at moments if I'm – here's the one time I've looked at moments recently when I have been traveling during a football game. And I'm like, I, I can just quickly look at five tweets and know the score or like right. see some highlights. Right. That's cool. That's a cool experience. But like I'm only doing that because I look yeah. at Twitter all the time. I, l- I looked at moments more in the last three days when I was working on this column than I have in the previous entire time that it's – Existed. Um, and just that's a damning indictment. No, look, I, I, honest to God, I, I, I like Twitter. Yeah, I enjoy Twitter. I learn things from Twitter. This, I, I, I try to follow. I probably follow too many people, and but I follow smart people, and I, and I, you know, look. A lot of the best tweets. This is another problem we haven't mentioned. Take you out of Twitter altogether because they have web links. I mean. Right. I mean, technically, you're not out of it because the page opens theoretically within the app, but you're out of you're not seeing while you're reading whatever the link is, say to a to a great Verge story, uh, your your feed keeps scrolling, mm-hmm. and somebody you know either some big news may be happening somewhere or something you would just personally find very interesting or helpful in your job or in your marriage or whatever, or raising your children, whatever. Somebody may tweet about it and it's gone and you'll never see it again. And they have terrible search. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can search for you and even that's not great. Let's take another Apple connection. Apple bought the best Twitter search engine and shut it down. It was called Topsy. Yeah, I remember that. Long, yeah. Uh, they're, yeah, they're well, like but that well, did they do that to be mean to Twitter? I doubt it. No, they I, did uh, it because Topsy was a search. It was a good. I think it's in, it does App Store search now or something. But it's yeah, it's just funny right. that was the best one. Apple they let it linger. I think they, they just but shut it, it down. shouldn't be a yeah. third party. It should be part of Twitter. That's what he is his challenges. And I don't 
disagree with you necessarily that there are two products they could maybe. Well, I think there's like 50 products they could make. I think that yeah, there's, it's, there's two product categories. I mean, if you want to do the jobs comparison, it's, you know, jobs came back to Apple, canceled all the products, drew his like four quadrant grid right. and said, this is our company. And Twitter, it doesn't matter how many quadrants there are. They need to say, these are the products we make. And they're designed for these people who want these experiences. Yeah, like, 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 you know, there there could be a product for the hardcore people that love all these little things. That's fine. There could be something else. Uh, with all drawing off the same fire hose right. for other people. Um, you know, this ephemeral and speed nature of it that you were talking about. I suggested, and I'm look. Nobody has to follow any suggestions you or I make in these pieces we write or podcasts we do. But you know, one way to do it is to improve your algorithms so it isn't just reverse chronological order. But another way to do it is to, and they're not mutually exclusive, is to give you literally control if you want it. You could opt into the current experience totally, uh, but you could also maybe opt into saying, look. I want to see tweets by uh, uh, Neelai and by, you know, my brother-in-law and uh, some maybe my competitors, uh, mm-hmm. whatever. I Or somebody I think is, is really smart or I want to see all Donald Trump's tweets, whatever it is. And I want to see them first. I want them essentially sort of pinned automatically to the top of my feed so that if I, if I, have to go away from Twitter to actually get some work done or do something, and I come back to it a few hours later, those things that I judge to be important aren't aren't gone into the ether. Plus, their algorithm would have by then become smarter at figuring out what I like. So between the two things, the feed is much more satisfying and much richer. Right. And I, but that does not lead you into Facebook? Well, it's a te- it's a technique Facebook has used, but so what? I right. mean, I mean, what did uh, speaking of Steve Jobs? Didn't he once say, uh, "Great artists <laughs> steal"? That's true. I mean, you know, uh, uh, unless Twitter has patented that or something, um, <laughs> or Facebook. I, right, mean, I mean, Facebook. Yeah, unless Facebook has patented it. But I mean, yeah, I I think I think just just giving you just being smarter about it and giving you more control would change the environment. Uh, improve it, make it richer, also make it more satisfying for new people. And you could still maybe opt out of all that and just have today's experience if you wanted. Right. I mean, I think, so let me ask you this. They've got two features that they've been talking about a little bit, right? One is they're going to do some of this algorithm timeline stuff. The other one, which I think is probably one worth talking about more, is... 10,000 character tweets. Right. And it's funny how much some people care about it and how little it matters ultimately. Right? I mean, because what we're talking about is like this, you know, it's what you're saying. They started because they needed to fit in the SMS character limit so you could text to Twitter and they got to 140. That became the defining feature of the service for a minute. But now everybody dances around that in a thousand different ways, right? So Mark Andreessen invented tweet storms where he just tweets a thousand times. Um, yeah. Everybody everybody takes pictures. 
I think this is probably the number one use of the Notes app on an iPhone. Is people write long messages into Notes, they screenshot Notes and tweet a picture of that. Um, I mean, there's just a million ways to get around it. Do you think that that is like that's the sort of change they should make, or is it deeper than that? Oh, I don't think that'll do it. Um, and I think, uh, in fact, it's interesting that he has raised that because unless it's a content play, and we should talk about that for a minute, um, unless it's a content play, um, I think it would actually fundamentally you know, change the nature of Twitter uh, in a way that would probably set off a domino effect of other changes that they may not be able to anticipate. Uh, my understanding, as best I can tell, is that you would still see a short version of the tweet, uh, but you would click on something, kind of like the way you click on a link in a tweet today, and be taken to this article. Because uh, it would be, I mean, obviously they don't all have to be 10,000, but if, if you use 10,000, you know, the average English word, which I just looked up, uh, while we were talking, <laughs> this is this is from this is from Wolfram Alpha. All which right. For some reason, I always think must be right. Yes. Because it's all sciency, right? Yeah. Um, that and it's, it, the, the average word length <laughs> in the English language, I'm sure it's longer in German or something, is 5.1 characters. So that's like a 2,000 word. Right. If you used all 10,000 characters, if they did this, you could post a 2,000 word article. Now, let's again, for a second, because we should come back to this, but separate out the idea that this is a way to get publishers like like uh, our parent company, Vox Media, to put our, our entire articles on Twitter instead of li- having to link out to them. But but that it's just a way to make Twitter a better you know communications tool. Given some of the rants that are on there now in 140 characters, can you imagine – Reading, you know, <laughs> 300 words. I mean, you know, there are some people whose 300 words would be just brilliant. Right. But, gee, I don't know. Uh, I, think it would, I think it would change that. Even even Facebook uh, posts, unless they're, you know, a post about, you know, somebody dying young or something, are very, are very rarely hundreds and hundreds of words. So, um, uh, you know, I think that would be a fundamental change. But but beyond being a fundamental change in the nature of the service, I don't think it's I don't think it addresses the real problems. Right. I mean, do you think? I think this is the hard question. Maybe you'll dodge it. Maybe I'll finally get you to dodge a question, Walt. Okay. Um, you said Dorsey's a product guy, but it seems like what we're talking about is features instead of strategy, right? We're talking, you know, like. We're talking about can you tweak this or make this better? I think you brought up an important one in your column, which is they need, you know, state of the art, industry leading anti harassment and abuse features. Yeah, absolutely. That was going to be my next thing. To talk right. I mean, about. that that's You're a right. huge issue on Twitter. Um, it's, right. And it's one that we've actually, I have sat in the offices of Twitter and personally yelled at them like this is a problem, um, and if you don't fix it, like I'm not letting the Verge staff use Twitter. They haven't fixed it. We still use Twitter. What are you going to do? Um, but I tried. I did my, my, my level best to threaten them. Um, but they have made some strides. But anyway, but those are features, right? I mean, we're still not talking about the core problem. Is you can make it easier to use, but who's it for? Do you think Dorsey's the guy to, to nail that and 
sell that? Have you uh, seen that from him? I honestly don't know him well enough. Yeah. I, I do know him. I've interviewed him a couple of times. Yeah, I've we met, met him. him. We were. We, we, I met, met him with you. Yeah. I've met him before privately. Um, but I, I, it would be unfair to say I, I know him the way that I've known some other uh, CEOs. Um, I, I don't know, but I, I would, you know, just point out that uh, actually I had a pesky editor on this column who asked me <laughs> to give some specifics. So I did, <laughs> I did give some specifics. Uh, which I stand behind. Yeah. But um, I, I did also said in this column that they need to rethink the whole thing and that they need to kind of tear it down and build it up again. And that's another way of saying what you just said, which is to dis- part of that is deciding who's it for and what is it for. I actually think the what is it for is more important and the who is it for will follow. Right now, it seems like who is it for is a lot of kind of um, uh insidery people what did you guys call it you and casey kind of a frat party a cocktail I party mean, cocktail party yeah but it's you know we we know that in our particular profession there are lots of journalists not only tech journalists but political journalists sports journalists whatever uh on there uh i think there i we also know there are a lot of people in the tech industry on there you mentioned mark andreessen he's a good example there are others uh, we know there are a lot of people in politics on there. I'm yeah. sure there There's are. There's one particular person in politics. Yeah, but, no, but there are a lot of them also. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Senator McCaskill was uh, tweeting from jury duty the other day uh, or from the you know pool room where you wait to be called to a jury. So, um, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure there are 29 uh, more categories that uh, if I – uh, had the time, I could think of them. Uh, but um, uh, he has to decide, is it, is it for these kind of insidery groups in these kind of relatively high-profile areas or is it for some other uh, definition of audience that may not and should not probably – try to duplicate Facebook's audience. Like this probably isn't ever going to be the place where you put your baby, baby pick your baby's pictures or, you know, whatever, but that's okay. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be exactly like somebody else. It just has to, you have to decide what's it for. And then the who it's for will follow. I think, does that make any sense? It does. I mean, I think that it's, this thing you're saying about baby pictures to me is like fascinating, right? It's Twitter's a broadcast medium. That's why you don't want to put your kids' pictures on it, right? It's it's it occupies this weird space where you feel like you've cultivated um, a semi-private list of people, but really everything's super public. I think that's a lot where a lot of their harassment issues come from, right? People talk to each other on Twitter. Um, in sort of a performative, it's like you're talking really loud at a bar, right? And you're kind of hoping the cool kids hear you, but then suddenly everyone is interrupting you, or people can yell at you, or uh, this this one I think is particularly interesting to me. Um, a bunch of news publications, I think last year, I just saw this conversation sort of occur. Like, if we're talking about particularly sensitive topics. Can we aggregate? Can we embed tweets in our articles without asking for permission? And the natural. Uh, answer, Neil, we did that this morning. 
No, no, but that's like we. Those are tech journalists who are doing tech journalist stuff. I'm talking about like people who are talking about abuse and yeah, like, no, yeah, really deep. Thi- like, of course, I'm very confident the people who's. In fact, I know because they both tweeted about how happy they were um, that we embedded their tweets. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's right. It's it's this yeah. other thing where it's yeah. No, 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 you're right. And I'll give you there is a, there there's another example from uh, from my column this morning. You know. Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> but you some, are right. Apologies to Farhad and Matthew. <laughs> some of the some of the uh, listeners know that my column, uh, uh, while I am a I am a proud member of the Verge, and the column appears on the Verge uh, 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 first and yeah. primarily, it also runs on Recode, which I'm also very proud of because I co-founded it. And Recode uh, sometimes uses some different uh, uh, art and so forth. And so they, what they chose to do was not use the same tw- Twitter exchange that we did. They actually used one uh, related to harassment, and but they got the permission of the person who had posted the tweet. So your point is uh, there is sensitive stuff where if you don't get permission, you can actually make it worse for the person. Right, and that's like an it's it's an insane problem. And I what I what which is interesting to me is this: who's it for? Is it, yeah, you're right. Figure out what's it for, and you'll figure out who's it for. But it's such a new in it's such a new thing that it feels private, and you can make it feel very private. But suddenly, anybody can walk in. A news organization can walk into your conversation about harassment and how you've been harassed, and make it a thousand times worse. And that's a default feature of the service. And like we've had to develop a norm around that, right? As a media industry, so may- stop doing so maybe it. as part of of incorporating a world-class anti-harassment system, they need to think about a way that uh, people like us don't have to incorporate our own norm or develop our own right. norms around it, but that they have norms that somehow protect people. Do right. you know, you know, speaking of this word protect, I don't know how many people on Twitter know this, but you know that you can make your Twitter account entirely private. You can make it sort of Facebook-like. You there there is this apparently when you onboard so and people like you and I got onto Twitter so many years ago that either this wasn't the case or if it was we've forgotten it by now but you can when you onboard or at any time if you dig down into the settings and you really do have to dig down far there is an option to so-called protect your tweets and what that means is uh you get to approve everyone who would like to follow you, which is essentially like the friend model on Facebook. And you get to essentially control who can see your, your tweets. Um, it's clump. It's, you know, again, I made the point in the column that a lot of their solutions are kind of sledgehammer. There are, there are no nuances. So it's kind of all in one clumsy, all that stuff, but it's in there. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that's the thing that they've done. They've done so much adding. It's it's your. I think your word perfect analogy from the top of the show is exactly right. They've added so many features, and if you know how to use them, it's great. But if you don't, then the difference between mute and block is actually really opaque. Like it's just a, like why would you mute somebody and not block them? Well, because if you block them, then they'll find out and they'll be they'll come back at you ten times worse. But if you but, mute them, they don't. It's like how how is any normal person supposed right. to know that? There is a help page. Yeah, and but it, and the help page does not it looks, say. By the way, it looks lovely, at least on a desktop screen. Yeah, but the help uh, page doesn't say we we invented mute so that 
assholes don't create shadow accounts to troll you ten times. Harder. No, it doesn't. Like, I mean, that's like a. Right. But that's why it's there. And, do you, and by the way, by the way, do you know how people you block find out they've been blocked? I mean, Twitter doesn't send them a communication telling them. It's just that if they then go to your a profile, they can't see your profile. At which point, they know they've been blocked. Right. And. And then they do all the bad things you just said. Whereas if you mute them, they could still see your profile, so they have no idea that they've been muted. Yeah, it's uh, just, but it's just like that. That is so. It's very arcane, and when I say yeah. rethink, Nila, <laughs> I mean rethink from the ground up. And I, you know, I, I think one of the uh, interesting problems that Jack Dorsey has right now is if I'm right and you're right that the product is at the heart of this. He should have time to fix it. Right. I mean, as you pointed out, they have money in the bank and all that stuff. He should have time to fix it. But in fact, Wall Street is so much, so heavily pressuring him for growth that it may force him to do this in little incremental steps or in a way that isn't holistically smart or whatever. Right. Uh and, you know, I'm not I'm doing inside reporting on the company, uh, so I don't know. Um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to watch it unfold. Yeah. And I, I think it, there's something to be said for the fact that every big piece of Twitter news is broken out of recode. Right? I mean, this should be Jack's narrative to own, not not let it dribble out and then have him scramble to fix it. I think this is this is the moment. And I think if he if they miss this moment, if he misses this moment – then the questions, I think, really begin to pile up. And I think that that's – the moment might be long. It might be a few months now. Yeah, I was about to say that exactly the same thing. I, I mean, it's, I don't think it's a week. But a, I, yeah, because you have to hire people and and uh, you have to hire really good people. I mean what he needs to do now because, as, you, as we said earlier, a lot of these people who left are smart, capable people who will probably do very well in their next job and – Maybe they just didn't fit with what he wanted or maybe he wanted a clean slate. And as you said, that's not unusual for a new CEO. But he now has to da- he now has to dazzle uh, with the people he brings in. I mean, you know, Recode uh, ran a piece this morning about uh, how they're uh, uh, thinking or getting close to hiring as their new top comms person, PR person, which matters a lot to people like us. Um, Natalie Karras, who was a terrific PR person at Apple, uh, that's a class hire if they do that. Not, it's not the person in charge of product. You might say, well, that's not as core as some of these other things. But it's it if they go after people of that class, then I think that looks good. Then if then as they produce new things, if they're good and and and, and you know even if they piss off some of the hardcore people. Um, he'll he'll gradually accrue credit, but you're right. He has to make the most of his moment. Yep. All right. Well, we've saved Apple. We've saved Twitter. Anything else you want to? You, you think you can save HP in the next five minutes? There's no saving HP. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every time I see Carly Fiorina in a debate, I think really. Really, really, no, I, really, I mean, really talking too. up that HP experience right now. Is... Me too. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, that we could do a whole podcast. We should do. <laughs> you and I should do a control wall to lead on the election. Oh but, my god! Um, 
<laughs> but uh, the the thing that no readers have clamored for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, screw the readers. <laughs> Let's just do it. What's fun, you know? But uh, any, anyway, um, uh, no, I have no immediate thoughts about HP. <laughs> I don't think anyone's had an immediate thought about I HP mean, one, one, in about a year and a half. One, one side of the company is in an enterprise business where they have enormous and, and entrenched competition, which doesn't mean they won't succeed, but it's very tough. And the other side is in a very in, – in, in, in printers, which is a fading business – and in PCs, which is uh, Windows PCs, which is a low margin. Uh, oh my God! This they business. they should bring back the iPod, bring back their Apple deal, and oh! just put out another iPod. Do, okay, I'm gonna make a pro- come on. I'm gonna make a promise. Yeah, I will tell you a little bit of the story of that uh, HP iPod deal in a, in a future episode. Oh come on! Well, I'll tell you now if you want. Tell me we got time. Let's go for it. <laughs> You just said we didn't have time. Uh, well, for this, we have time. Okay. So I knew I, – I, again, I did not know Carly Fiorina deeply well, but I had probably four or five interviews with her. And uh, she appeared at our uh, All Things D conference. Kara interviewed her. It was a truly dreadful performance <laughs> on Carly's part. Um, but but anyway, I, so I didn't know her that well. I did know Steve Jobs better. Yeah. Uh, and I was at Comdex or CES, you know, one of those shows in Vegas, which you know I love. And uh, <laughs> so I, you're in a great mood. I, I was in a great mood, and and what I wasn't in a great mood, but what <laughs> what put me in a great mood was she announced there, and I wasn't at the keynote, but I, I was, you know, doing a meeting somewhere, um, the Walt CES approach, yeah. and uh, I heard that she had announced that they were licensing the iPod. And I knew that Compaq, which they had acquired, and HP itself, because I'd seen them in private, you know, off-the-record meetings, uh, had had prototypes of their own MP3 players, their own iPod competitors. These were engineering-centric companies that could do that. Yeah. Because once Apple did it and leapt way ahead of everybody else, it showed a path to how you could do this, and these guys did it. Or at least had prototypes. So I was kind of surprised that she was licensing the iPad. First of all, Apple never licenses stuff. So what the heck was going on? So I just called Steve Jobs from Vegas. And I said, what's this all about? And he starts cackling and he won't stop cackling. And I and I said, well, what's so, what is what really seriously? What is this all about? Are they going to get? Are they going to be able to now collab? Are they going to collaborate on the software? Are they going to collaborate on the hardware? What's you know what's the deal? He said, it's unbelievable. He said she she came to me, and said they wanted to do this, and uh, we concluded a deal where they were essentially like a wholesaler of iPods, and they have no control over the software and no control over the hardware. And when it boots up, you can buy it in an HP box from HP or from a store that sells HP products. But it boots up with the Apple logo, yeah, and it always will. And he just was, you know, he 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 was astonished. Yeah. And you got to remember that when he was young and Wozniak was young, the two of them who who founded Apple. Um, uh, HP helped them by giving them spare parts. I mean, they deeply admired HP in those days. Right. So he was just completely, uh, completely baffled by it. 
but and and for for Apple at that time in 2000 whatever it was one or two whatever it was uh, three um, uh, HP had a lot more points of presence points uh, for sales than right. Apple did so it yeah it's, but they didn't need them right in the end I, mean, I just it, that every time I they, I mean, I, literally every time she's on a debate, somebody writes a story about the HP iPod. So yeah. it's like I keep reading it. But, like, man, that was th- that's what they should do. That's how you save HP. Bring back this deal. Put out the iPod. I'm telling you, the iPod's coming back. All right. This is going to be my theme of 2016. Yeah, the- I, I'm already tired of it, but okay. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Neelai. I'm trying, Walt. Neelai I'm trying. Tell. Look, I, I like the iPod. I have probably six iPods around the house if I look iPod, you know? iPod with a with a uh, lightning connector. No, I mean they make the little flash ones with lightning, but you know what I mean, like a a classic, the iPod classic. Yeah, you want 160 gigs or who knows, maybe more now. Yeah, and because uh, you want everything lossless, because you're because yeah. you like turntables. People are gonna sell them gang. Bu- they're gonna sell like gangbusters. So lossless songs and raw photos. So yep. a te- you what you really want is a terabyte iPod classic with lightning. Yeah. This is a thousand dollar iPod. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and you'll buy it. And I, and and who knows? If I agree with you, this is the danger for me. Right at this, <laughs> right at this second, if I agree with you, I'm going to get shit from your wife. <laughs> oh, no. uh, she already knows that the thousand dollar iPod is coming. Um, oh my god! I'm you, you can woman. save every company. It's just Twitter should put out that was that was I don't know if you saw the Photoshop on our piece yesterday, but it was Jack Dorsey holding a glowing iPod because my firm yeah. belief is that releasing an iPod will save every company. Anyhow, that joke uh, clearly has worn its welcome, so we should end the show. Uh, that was our show. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, I think by now, if you've been listening, you should know that Walt and I love your feedback um, on Twitter of all on places. Twitter. Before it goes away. If you can figure out what that heart icon means, please use it. Yeah, exactly. Or or leave a reply or a quote tweet, however you like to reply, <laughs> telling us we're full of it or you thought we were good or yeah. whatever. Or the mic. A lot of people kind of like to comment on the mic level, so keep doing that. We, oh, yeah. We love that. Uh, whatever. We do. We're getting better every week. So Walt is at Walt Mossberg. I'm at Reckless. Please use this... Uh, dying service to contact us in any way that you can uh, you can also email us if you are listening to the show and you cannot figure out our email addresses godspeed um, <laughs> it's true uh, we also love your iTunes reviews uh, you can just go on itunes.com slash the verge you can find all of our shows facebook, facebook slash dot we're every, slash dot we, do we have a verge slash dot page that's slash. old school we should do that um Anyhow, that was it. We also have a number of other shows. Uh, I'm hosting Vergecast tomorrow. I'll give you a little preview. I am all hot and bothered about this FCC cable head end uh, open it up system. I think it's going to be exciting. We'll talk about that a lot tomorrow. Uh, Lauren Good, our colleague at The Verge, has a new podcast with Kara Swisher called Too Embarrassed to Ask, which you should definitely listen to. It's really fun. And Kara herself has recode decode with peter kafka which is wonderful all-star luminaries. all wonderful they're wonderful they're wonderful and then there's a bunch of other verge podcasts which i'm sure you know about chris plant has what's tech which is great emily and liz are back in full force weekly with verge esp there's so much stuff to listen to check it all out again itunes.com slash the verge and thank you one more time to our friends at talents for sponsoring the show and that's it walt i'll see you again next week i will be here <laughs>